With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. You are listening to the IFH Podcast Network. For more amazing filmmaking and screenwriting podcasts, just go to IFHPodcastNetwork.com. So anyway, my penis, it's got like a crooked... <laughs> Keith Brooks is here, everybody. If uh, if you yeah. had read the description and knew what you were in for, oh, God. Uh, long-time listeners of the show know what they're, they're in for they because be he has been on approximately half of the episodes of the show. Um, but uh, now it's in person. Wait, I don't think you, I don't think you ever did any of the... Uh, we did the online ones, did we? Hmm. Yeah, we did. Uh, me, you, and Molly did one online. That's right. During the pandemic, I think it was. Uh, yeah, there was a lot of those, and but now I, I like doing this in person. And now you get to you're the first people to see my new podcast room. This is amazing. How long is, have you been in here in this place? Uh, little, I'm not letting you introduce month, Jeremy yet. My, okay, <laughs> month and a, month and a half. Month and a half. Month and a half. Yeah. This is what a lovely home, dear listener. The thing you don't realize is that. Um, <laughs> Chuck moves more than a film release date in the beginning of COVID. Um, it's just trying to figure out when we'll fit the best. And he's moved <laughs> into this new house that is gorgeous. I mean, it is Southern Living Gardens, whatever the name of the magazine is. It's that type of house. It's got a casket outside. It That's does. how I knew I was at the right place. <laughs> it, one, that is not a lie. That is There is 100% a, a casket. I think technically a coffin. Because I think a casket... Coffin, wait, which is it? Coffin has is attached lid and casket is. He's doing a blowjob hand gesture. I, think, <laughs> I don't know. I think that's the. I can't remember. Anyway, but there is one on the front porch and that does let you know where you are. Yeah. <laughs> and the pirate flag. Did you see the pirate flag flying around? Wait, no, it reminds me of Goonies, which makes me want to throw up. Oh my God. <laughs> anyway, also here is uh, a new guest to the pod, which I, I, I don't know how you have, you haven't been on before, but uh, why don't you introduce yourself real quick, Jeremy? Hey, so uh, I'm Jeremy Tao, and um, I'm a director and screenwriter here in Atlanta, and uh, yeah, I've gotten to meet you, Chuck, a little bit over the past few months, and uh, we hung out at the South Georgia Film Festival, yes. and so I'm re- really happy to be here and uh, hanging out with y'all tonight. 
Strangely enough, that was the first time we'd actually met in person. Mm -hmm. Even though I'm on the Film Impact Georgia board, and mm -hmm. you won the grant in 2021, I did. spring of 2021. Yeah. Um, but I just didn't have an opportunity. Well, obviously that was during COVID, but but yeah, I just didn't have an opportunity to meet you until then. Um, but that was, the South Georgia Film Festival is a lot a great place to hang out, especially that barbecue place that I introduced everybody to. Yeah. Uh, so if, you know. If you're ever down there, you got to go there. Yeah. Sam's takeout. Sam's takeout. Yeah, you gotta, you gotta sit on the trunk of your car. Yeah, be ready. There's but no, it's good. There's, there's no table. You don't sit inside. You sit yeah. in the trunk of your uh, like your SUV or whatever. Yeah. Open up the back and you yeah. plop your barbecue down and get yeah. messy and hang out with people. Oh, that's yeah. nice. I don't like that. It's yeah. amazing. It's, it's the best yeah. barbecue I've ever. Yeah. I think I've ever had in my life. Yeah. I love barbecue so much. Can we just make this a, a conversation about barbecue? Yeah, please? that's fine. Yes. Yeah. What kind of barbecue do you guys prefer? Like, what are we talking about here? What is your is there like a, a style country-wise or like a, a specific cut of meat that you're going for? What is it? Well, I'll tell you about just to go off of Sam's because it is legitimately some of the best barbecue you've ever had. And I asked the guy about it down there, uh, and he said he makes it like your favorite uncle is having a backyard cookout. Mm. Uh, like he's cooking it to make you know his family proud. And it's not like... And it's going to fail because the, everybody's an alcoholic and there's going to be an argument about who they're voting for president. Right. Like your favorite uncle, yeah, right? Yeah, 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 100%. So it's, it's that kind of cookout, like, you're coming over, uh, I'm going to put all my love into this. And you can... Gross. You, you, can, taste, <laughs> you can taste the love in every right. bite. So salty. Come on. <laughs> this is why I'm not allowed to podcast. And to that, they only have a very select menu. And the oh, ribs are amazing. Awesome. The pulled pork is amazing. Uh, I think at certain days they have brisket, but I've never been down there. Um, I love brisket. I love good brisket. Oh, I, I actually had great brisket when we went to go see uh, our son in, at Disney. There's a new uh, Toy Story themed uh, barbecue place. Ooh. And I, that was some of the best brisket I've ever had. They're very. It's crazy. I don't think about Toy Story and go, oh, barbecue makes sense with that. Like, the, that's the, the theme of it is is that you're in Andy's like room yeah. and eating barbecue. So when everybody's like, Andy's coming, everybody has to like stop moving. For, for like a minute while he he comes in the room and That's then you awesome. and then you can move around. Well, this is oh, an interesting. Wow. I like to whenever I'm directing things, I like to play games on set and we play the Toy Story game where anytime I yell Andy's coming, everyone has to stop or fall down. But it's terrible with all the expensive equipment. And then one <laughs> other side note is uh, there's a barbecue place beside where I live uh, in Marietta, Georgia. My address is not just kidding. Um, but there's a place called Lockdown Barbecue and they have. Delicious, delicious ribs, delicious uh, like pork, sausages, all sorts of stuff, and tandoori chicken for some reason, <laughs> and that's a great combo. And their logo is a pig behind bars, so I think they're really saying they're cool with capital punishment. <laughs> I, 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 um, but that's that's all I got about. There's my my type five on barbecue. <laughs> I'm gunning for Chuck to give me a comedy special next. That's what I want. Oh, yeah, yeah. Well, we can stay with food because, yeah. I mean, you've got a food-themed film to talk about. So that's a good, I guess, a transition over to that. Yeah, sure. Uh, Walkman. Tell Abs us all about Walkman. Absolutely, man. So um, like you were saying, uh, we uh, were very lucky and, and um, very honored to win the uh, the spring 2021 Film Impact Georgia grant. Um 
which is, uh, you know, anyone listening to this, if you have not checked out Film Impact Georgia, you definitely need to. Mm -hmm. Um, It's a great organization here in town that truly supports indie filmmakers. Uh, So winning the grant, I got $5,000 in the mentorship of an industry professional. And um, so we've spent pretty much the, you know, the latter half of pandemic making this movie. And um, Walkman, spelled W-O-K-M-A-N, uh, yeah, it, it takes place in 1998 and it's uh, one afternoon and one evening in a Chinese restaurant. And, um, yeah, it's pretty much made to share different vantage points of everyday scenarios, everyday conversations that we either engage in or maybe pass by. And, um, and so, yeah, it's, it's, it's very much, uh, it's, 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 it's an Asian American story, but it's a movie for everybody. You know, it, it's very much an American movie, um, and so yeah, we've been working on. It's a short film. Um, before credits, it's about 15, 15 and a half minutes long, and mm-hmm. we're almost done with it. And so, uh, we just got accepted to our first film festival at uh, Morehouse College, Fuck and yeah, so man. we're really stoked to go to Morehouse and uh, and meet all the cool people there and. Um, and so, yeah, dude, that's – yeah, it's, it's, it's a day in a Chinese restaurant from the immigrant family's perspective. But I think like uh, – Chuck, I'm taking over. No, that's fine. I think, again, the key element here is it's about a family's experience and it just gives you a view into a specific culture but still has that humanistic connection to it. What uh, – tell us about your cast because you have some – you had some heavy hitters in here. So. Thank you. Thank you. And so we're really, really proud to be able to say that like uh, – Dude, this is a Georgian movie. You know what I'm saying? Like we uh, all cast, all crew are, are Georgians. And so um, our, we have some pretty heavy-hitting co-stars for sure. One of our more notable ones is uh, Mr. Kurt Yu, mm-hmm. um, one of the more uh, well-known and, and respected uh, actors here in Atlanta. Actually, if you don't know Kurt, um, you do. Just open your eyes. He's mm-hmm. from the show Insatiable, from the film Venom, uh, Black Widow, uh, a new show called Men in Full that's coming out on Netflix. Um, he has the Actors Career Center on YouTube where he has mm-hmm. thousands upon thousands of followers. He's in my dreams nightly. He's a great guy. Go, mm-hmm. go ahead. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Absolutely. And so um, Kurt has been uh, – it's been awesome to see um, his development as an actor in Atlanta over the last, geez, six or seven years now that I've known Kurt. Um and so, yeah, dude, it, it's just a really cool example, too, of, like, you never know um, how you may interact or collaborate with someone in the future of, you know, who you meet, you know, one day. in the I met Kurt when I was still in film school seven years ago, and now here we are um, in much different uh, roles and capacities. And, and so um, it's been – to have access to to high caliber talent like Kurt, like the other uh, um, talent in Walkman, it's it makes it easier. I truly believe that you know for Atlanta to to kind of make our make our move and to stop playing second fiddle to L.A. and New York, we really have to start producing Georgia made projects made Absolutely. by Georgians, and so. Um, and the thing is, we didn't even intently try to make it a Georgia movie, to be honest. That's just how it naturally happened. Yeah. And so, you know, it's 
I'm an Asian American filmmaker. I'm an Atlanta filmmaker. And it was really fun for me personally to be able to directly just have those two worlds just clash uh, while making this movie. Plus, I think it's, you know, I think a lot of times, too, it challenges the monolithic idea of what an Asian story is. People will say, oh, this is an Asian-focused story, and they'll think it has to be memoirs of a geisha or some bullshit like that, mm-hmm, right? Mm-hmm. When you find an Asian population in every walk of life. Mm-hmm. And what I love about the idea of your story is it's let's just analyze the modernity, the, the, the everyday aspect of just a family trying to make it, a family that you've seen Dozens of times. Because like you said earlier, everybody has their favorite Chinese restaurant that they go to. So let's explore that world. Um, For you as an Asian, uh, Chuck, you really, you can go home. Um, (laughs) um, As an Asian American filmmaker, you know, we're now focusing on things like AAPI, stuff like that all Mm -hmm. the time. Right. Mm -hmm. And that's awesome. It's fantastic to bring new voices in. Is there a specific message amongst that that you're trying to say with Walkman? Yeah, dude, and and it's I very much do, and it's and it's multi layered. First off, you know, we briefly mentioned earlier about how, like for example, Korean like pop culture is a, a stronghold on Western culture in various ways, uh, music, uh, uh, TV and film, food, what have you, and so you know just. The angle I've had on this over the past five-ish years is like, what can I do to help ensure that this is not a flash in the pan, right? That we make this sustainable and that we make sure that like um, this is not just some fluke that's going to – that, you know, that's going to end one day. And so another another element to this that I love talking about that I don't really get the chance to talk about much is – so I'm Southeast Asian. I'm not Chinese, but here I am making a, a a movie about a Chinese family, right? And and why am I doing that? You know, um, I've been asked several times, like, why didn't I write or make a movie about a Hmong family? You know, and I and I have grand plans to. I have many projects that feature Hmong Hmong people and Hmong families, but the thing is here is. You know, the chance, the opportunities here are so few and far between that I knew I had to to knock it out of the park on this one, right? And so I had to really lean on that East Asian um, presence in Western culture to to really make sure that in – a, and, and and I just had to make sure I didn't have to explain too much, well, yeah. right? You it's know what I'm saying? That they understand exactly. Even exactly. if they don't understand the complexities of the Chinese experience, they at least know what that is. Exactly. Yeah. That's exactly right. And so, um, it took an East Asian family and story for me to kind of get noticed, and for you know, um, and I just highly doubt that. All of this would have happened if I'd had a Hmong family. I've had to spend the first two and three-eighths pages explaining (laughs) what Hmong people are, you know? And so, you know, I'm trying to explain to people what it was kind of like for me to grow up as an Asian-American kid in the 90s. I'm trying to explain what it's kind of like to be otherized, to be an immigrant, to be a refugee, Mm. you know? Um, Yeah, I... uh, it makes you think a lot about the decisions that your parents make 
yeah. uh, that you don't realize when you're younger. And you know, I'm 34 now. I turned 35 in August, and it's it's taken a long time for for me to really realize that like a lot of the stuff I was frustrated with um, as a kid being the uh, the the son of refugees was they really were trying their best and were doing everything in their power uh, for my safety and for my comfortableness and for my um, for my future you know and so it's all of that baked into this little short film um, and you start having these conversations with folks the script before we turn the before the cameras turned on I think seven or eight grown up Chinese restaurant kids uh, read my script and had consultations or meals with me oh yeah that's amazing yeah and Dude, I'll never forget these conversations, man. And just, I mean, I remember some of the things they said there. Like, we're not really sure what you're trying to do, uh, but this is real. And you, yeah. this is accurate. And we don't know how people are going to respond either. But yeah. what you've done here is I got a lot of blessings from people that I needed their Get blessings the blessing. from. And so, yeah. It also feels, you know, I think there's nothing more rewarding as a writer. I feel that, you know, I, I think everybody here at the table is a writer. Uh, but whenever, because you want to be able to write things that are beyond your own experience, but still find the humanity that touches upon your experience. Mm -hmm. And so even when you're approaching a world that seems, that you feel is different than your own, that the rest of the world might say, oh, well, you're Asian. Isn't that all the same? Fuck mm -hmm. you, first of all, yeah. racist. Yeah. Tucker Carlson, how did you get yeah. in here? But, um, <laughs> but to have that verification of like, oh, man, you hit the nail on the head. Like, what a great feeling that is. Mm -hmm. When you're putting yourself out there trying to pay homage, trying to honor somebody else's culture or somebody else's experience, inject your own humanity into it, and they're like, yeah, no, you, you got it. I felt that. Yeah. Oh. That's the that's the, the the money shot that all riders are looking for, don't you think? Yeah, yeah. absolutely, absolutely. It's like you legitimately need that that little I, blessing is the only word I can think of absolutely. sometimes for you for you to be able to unleash creatively, like on the next phase of the project. Yeah. Um, and so, community building, bridge building. Because um, here's the thing: now is like I'm. I relied heavily and am still relying heavily on the Asian American community in many ways for this movie to continue to prosper. You know, um, it, it's been really awesome to continuously, uh, have conversations with folks who regularly tell me that, because, I mean, dude, when you when you break it down, this movie is about an immigrant Chinese family running a restaurant for a day. And, like, I, I don't know if, like, five years ago I would have I won this grant, you know what I'm saying? Like, um, because it directly ties into this, this, this parallel timeline that started alongside COVID of, like, the rise in anti-Asian hate and violence. Absolutely. And, you know, um, one of the last to put it lightly, big events in terms of Asian hate before Walkman was, okay, so here's the thing. 
the, excuse me on the specific timeline. This is about February 2021, and I was working on Walkman to prepare for the due date for Film Impact Georgia. And so uh, I write the first draft in one weekend, and then I intentionally take the week off from my producer to start building our lookbook. And then I also use that week to consult with my writing partner, and then I wrote the second draft the following weekend. And so I, I say that to say that, like, it was very celebratory after we finished it and sent it off with all of our stuff Um Less than 48 hours later was the Atlanta spa killings. Yeah. Right? Oh, man. And so it's just like uh, uh, there have just been so many times throughout this process where we hit a celebratory milestone and we're quickly reminded, reminded yeah. that we – it's, you know, not that much has changed. And, you know, and so we respond – I can only get – I'm broke as fuck. You know what I'm saying? Like, I'm an indie filmmaker. I don't have much money. Um, you can only protest so much. And, and it's like I believe that genuine social change, like, comes from, like, what we're talented with. Yeah. And, like, how we choose to use our talents to, 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 to genuinely affect social change. And it's like – in that moment, you have all these Asian women that look like my mama, you know, who 40, 40 miles up the road. I was, I was literally in the parking lot across the street when one of them happened. Cause one That's of them insane. Yes. I was at the Kroger yeah. right across the street from that spa yeah. shopping for my groceries when all of a sudden you hear fire, you hear like cops coming, you hear people speeding off and screaming. That's insane. It's terrifying. Yeah, it is terrifying. Yeah. And, and it's not... And that's that's the major version of it, right? And then mm-hmm. you have a bunch of major versions all throughout COVID of this needless hatred that people, just because of their bigotry and their fucking stupidity, yeah. casting on Asian people. But then even when, you know, I mentioned earlier, I, I did this podcast called uh, The Eye in Big Trouble in Little Chinatown. Mm-hmm. It's meant to be like the shadow from the 1930s, but we have a majority Asian cast. And so from the get-go, our initiative was we wanted to be authentic. We want Asian actors to give them a chance to voice their own characters. Mm-hmm. Um, and so we put that out. I can't tell you how many Atlanta actors, local Atlanta actors that I know that are names within our community were like, well, I'll, can I audition for the Asian? I can do a good Asian accent. And that's cool for you. That's great for you. But that's a micro racist transaction that's happening right there. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like, we weren't... And I'm sorry, I'm just bringing this all down. Let me also tell you what I think about the banking system. <laughs> Fuck the guys, um, But Well, were these people... Were, was it just like a self-promotion thing? Like, 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 pick me? Or was it like, I can do it better than that Asian person is doing? You know what I mean? Well, you would honestly be surprised because we had some situations where we had Asian actors there. You know, we did a bunch of table reads just so we could develop a sense of community. And like I, I was talking about earlier, we had vast majorities of our script. You, that we go into Mandarin or Cantonese or Korean and no translation. You get what right. you get, pick it up from context clues. And we had some listeners, some people that were there with other people that happened to be, uh, you know, uh, Chalkies, Caucasians, who <laughs> would like, afterwards, they would try to correct the pronunciation of these native Chinese speakers. And, and some of these were, were actors born in Georgia. They were born in fucking Shanghai. And, like, it's like, what the fuck are you doing right now? Like, that sort of, uh, oh, my God, the caucasity of this Karen bitch. You know, like, and, and I get it that, that I feel that I feel that anybody from any race will have those moments to another race. Yeah. Because you're ignorant until you're 
shown otherwise. You yeah. know what I mean? Yeah. I just think it, it's so tragic that the history of this country, especially, but all countries, is lined on the racism against groups of people. The racism to the point where we don't learn the difference between Hmong and Chinese. Where we don't learn the difference of the different ethnicities coexisting within a, a single country. And instead, we lump them all together and say, oh, you know, Laotian and Japanese and Korean, it's all at the buffet. Fuck you, it's not. It's different food, it's different culture, it's different religion, it's different art, different practice, all those things. Um, yeah, that's what I got to say. Amen, dude. <laughs> that was awesome, man. Yeah, dude. It's my response to that. Mm-hmm. I, uh, I, I'm pretty sure the number is right. We cast and crew combined. I think we hired uh, 15 Asian women. Fuck yeah! You know it. That. Sometimes you just got to fucking hit stuff like that with intentionality, you know? And it's like, like my mama had me when she was 17 and a half, you know? I now have a four-year-old niece. I have a, my youngest sister. Um, I'm 17 and a half years older than my youngest sister. She's about to graduate high school, you know? And so it's like, I have a lot of, and my sister-in-law, Courtney, you know, she's, um, She's in her mid-20s, too. And so it's like I have a lot of Asian women in my family who I love dearly. And you you, you hear the happy ending jokes and you hear the yeah. me love you long time shit, you know. And you always hear the it's just a joke, dude. Like fucking chill out, right? But it's just Where a it's joke to them because it doesn't affect exactly, them. Exactly, because they're the one dishing it out. Yeah. Many, 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 many decades of of those jokes leads to this this Bosch killings, right? It, and it leads to dehumanizing of yes. people. It leads to seeing them as objects. Like I think, l- let me go back for one second. Yeah. Let me talk about that podcast just to plug myself. Yeah, but no, sure, just to, to <laughs> absolutely. We're de- we were dealing with Asian culture in the 1930s. We wanted to bring in some modern issues, but we also wanted to address the issues that were happening then and there. Sure, right? Sure. We're doing it through a fantasy horror scape. But in that time, you have a literary movement called the Yellow Peril, which is just about criminalizing Asians as much as fucking possible. Mm -hmm. And it's through this time that you get two drastic different definitions of what an Asian woman is. She's either the lotus blossom, which is the demure, innocent thing you see in all the Japanese porn that Chuck watches, versus the dragon lady, which is the seductive daughter of Fu Manchu. That's not even touching on who Fu Manchu is by itself, right? Yeah. But these... Oh, that's Shang-Chi's daddy, right? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. But this man knows his Marvel comics, too. That's good. So, so even with that, we, we decided to make Fu Manchu a character in our story. Yeah. And we... The, I think at the time that we recorded, there were 197 film and radio adaptations of that character. Three were Asian. We wow. were number three. Wow. So we had a Filipino-Chinese man playing named David Haddad being our Fu Manchu. There were only two Asians to officially play that character prior to that. And wow. so that's fucking insane. But it's yeah. that. And, and I'm a white guy writing this, yeah. right? I'm, yeah. I, I, know, I know I have a huge penis and my Mandarin's <laughs> hella good. But I am Caucasian as fuck. I yeah. put the cock in Caucasian. Yeah. But I think like. <laughs> but but I, I, and it might be, you know, a controversial topic. No more controversial than Chuck saying that Harambe was just some monkey. But 
the the idea that like oh, I, I I gotta push back on that one. There's no, there's no way I would say that. You could say a lot about about, about me that's fake, but uh, I will not allow Harambe to be slandered like that. But but the idea that like name. I I feel if we are going to fight. I want to see more Asian voices. I want to see more voices of color. I want to see more native, more indigenous voices and all that stuff. But if I have a story to tell, the only way I'm going to contribute to breaking down this hatred or anything is by writing into the world I want to exist in, right? It's by putting my voice out there to say, yeah, this is what I believe. Stop fucking around. Like, this is some bullshit. You know what I mean? And pointing out those injustices. Mm-hmm. And and I think the more people we have pointing out those injustices, the better the world is going to be. Because we can... If art is to be a mirror to the society that, that we live in, it can also be a window into the society we want to be in. Mm-hmm. And and that's my sort of thing. Also, Chuck really said those things about Harambe. <laughs> not. Is that is that why you created the, the show uh, specifically to – to, to um, Well, I originally created the show because I was high watching Columbo. But after that, the initial – like <laughs> – it, it was That's where a lot of shows come from. I absolutely, Columbo's yeah. so fucking good. Well, one more thing, one more thing. Um, but that, that's a joke for only people over forty. Um, but I, you know, it was kind of. I, I mean, the thing was, it started off by wanting to do a detective story, but it had a different spin on it. Oh, let's do monsters. That's cool. I love monsters. But what kind of monsters are we going to fill this New York of the nineteen thirties with? And then I realized I didn't know a lot about Asian monsters, so let me go investigate that. And then it became this idea of finding out a lot about the history of initially just Chinese horror. And, you know, one of the first ghost books or horror books ever written was this Chinese uh, study uh, of monsters in a silent parlor is the name of it. And it's a great uh, little read. And then horror movies were banned for 45 years in China under the constant, uh, in the communist regime. So it's like crazy interesting stuff there. Let me dive into that information more. And as I'm writing, as the story's formulating with my writing partner, Trevor Garner, we realize we know a lot of amazing Asian actors. Why not bring them in and give it a chance to shine and then give it this feeling, this authenticity? And it provides, you know, I think when you're writing anything, often it starts off as one thing and morphs to something else. And you didn't realize how much of a punch it had to it. And that's what this became. This became a story that I had never heard before. And that I think a lot of our cast members even had never had the chance to tell, but had experienced, you know, firsthand. Because a lot of them hang out with Cyclopses. But um, still, you get the idea. You know what I mean? Um, so that's sort of a ramble. Didn't you say Elvira, like, retweeted it or something? Yeah, like Elvira it, retweeted uh, our first episode. So it was pretty fucking... That's that's a... Dude. Yeah. That was my first crush in my entire life. And for her to retweet it? Oh, my God. That's been... <laughs> Um, but yeah, but and and that idea of playing with that format of the old school 1930s radio show in a melting pot like New York, it just sort of made sense to be able to tell a story about all sorts of different cultures. And and, and at first, hopefully, when you listen to the show, you're like, oh my god, it's oh look at all these Asian monsters, and then. That, that macro view becomes even more micro. Oh, but now look at this Korean district. Look at this Japanese district. Look at how everybody inter, you know, uh, twines and stuff like that. Even getting into Ehrlich Khan and, and you know, Tibetan god worship and shit like that. It was fun. Plus, I learned some Chinese, so ni hao to all you motherfuckers out there. Um, that's what I got. <laughs> nice. Yeah, we talked about research on, on one of these, these episodes of just how much do you dive in. And uh, we also got into like how how much research is research is good research and when does it turn into kind of uh, a little bit too much kind of thing mm-hmm. uh what what are your thoughts on that about yeah you can get 
you can get kind of caught up in it where um, it feels like you're doing research to avoid writing in a sense. They're yeah. like, well, this is really interesting. This is really fun. Writing is hard. Uh, or just making a film or whatever you're doing is, is really tough. At, at what point does it turn into... I, I gotta turn it. I gotta turn this off and just start doing my stuff. You know what I mean? So like, one thing that that has always plagued my video game playing style my whole life is like, you accumulate all the good shit, right? Yeah. All the good gear, all the good <laughs> potions, all that shit. Okay. It's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. I I know when I'm gonna need to use this later. And then you beat the damn game and you like. Never use you it. You never, never use it. it. Yeah, and yeah. you oh, yeah. I have done that so many times where I never got to fully experience something because I was just so afraid that You'd waste it. I would waste it. Yeah. You know? I'm doing that with Tears of the Kingdom. I'm playing yeah. Tears of the Kingdom. Very and I have smart. all these like puff I learned that if you attach a puff shroom to an arrow yeah. and you shoot it at a group of enemies, they all get they can't see you. Yeah. And you're gonna sneak up and like attack them from the rear. Yeah. And I and I was just like, Well, I've got all these puff shrooms. I'll use them, I'll use them later. I was doing the same thing. And yeah. then today I was like, No, god damn it. I mean exactly. just let me actually just use these freaking things. There exactly. will be more. Exactly. Yeah. So exactly. I a hundred percent understand what you're talking yeah. about. Yeah. <laughs> and so with Walkman, so the thing is with Walkman, the the first time I ever thought about anything resembling Walkman, it was a, originally going to be my senior film. I was going to make a documentary about uh, latchkey kids, but uh, have a big focus on Chinese restaurant kids. Yeah. And I couldn't come up with a story uh, in time, so I ditched it and did a narrative, but it had always been in the back of my mind. And so... For several years, I'd been "quote unquote" doing research and just kind of, <laughs> kind of learning the life of Chinese restaurant kids. And um, so, when it came time to write, um, part of the motivation of getting me to finally write was that feeling of like, okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry. Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire. Huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over a hundred casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. Eighteen plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. With Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandsLots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. What good is all of this very valuable information that I've learned, all of these anecdotes and all of these, I mean, a countless amount of data and information and stories that I sought out. Yeah. Um, it was time to, to use it. And uh, because the thing is to write a script, it is such a commitment. Absolutely. And not only of your time, but of like your spirit and your energy and, I, we're all writers here. It's like, it can be really scary to like start one. Uh, 
when you're not really sure how you feel about it, when you're not really sure where you want to take it. And so that kind of came into part of the whole thing I said earlier of like, I need to shut the fuck up. I need to stop. <laughs> I need to stop stopping myself before I even fucking start this thing. Fucking dude. here, here, man. And so, but it took me, you know, like it, I hadn't written anything in four years. Yeah. Um, it was just time. And the thing is like, but it's all, it's difficult to, to have that moment of like, I don't know. It's different. It's always different. It, but it's hard to push yourself past that because it, I, I feel that anytime you're writing something, whether it comes naturally or not, it starts with that place of discomfort because, it, you know, I, I've tried to write things where I plan them out. I've tried to write things spontaneously. But either way, it's like, let's see how this goes. And then I'm like, fuck, I hate this. Fuck, I hate this. Keep going. Keep it going. And then I finish. I'm like, that's actually pretty good. Mm-hmm. Like that sort of idea, <laughs> right? And, yeah. and it, to me, I often find that I do a lot of research, whether it's as an actor or as a writer or even as a director, there's this concept within Chinese theater called Mushin Noshin, which is mind without mind. And it's mainly used for like the Peking opera. And the idea was you would, the Peking opera is basically becoming a Jedi. They take you when you're young, you wear robes, and then the end, like at 27, you're a master. And you can move stuff with your mind. And, Absolutely. Yeah, okay. um, look at Jackie Chan. He's from the Peking opera. So, um, <laughs> yeah, all right. So, <laughs> You you do all this training before you're ever allowed to go on stage. Uh, it's how conservatories sort of are modeled after. I went to a conservatory for grad school, so I, I was very familiar with the idea. But you do all of this training for years, never being in front of an audience, until right before you step out of it, you forget it all. Why? Because it's in your muscles now. And I feel the same thing is true when you're researching anything for either an actor or for writing – if I'm writing for a different person's experience, I just wrote a horror movie about witches on the Appalachian Trail. I don't know anything. Look at me. I've never fucking hiked the Appalachian Trail in my <laughs> life. I have no interest in it. But I needed to know what that world was. Yeah. So it's about talking to people, asking people about all of this stuff. Cool. That's great. Now, after hours of conversations, I can sort of picture stuff. It's coming clearer now. Now I can write, right? Now I can let it out. And then I feel for me often – do a project like that, then do something I have to do no research about. Do a project like that, then do something else I don't have to do any research about. So my brain just has the chance to relax. And even in those others, I, <laughs> I directed this movie called In Regards to Amy Adams. And uh, it's about uh, acting students kidnapping Amy Adams so that they can learn <laughs> from her. And I was like, I don't have to do any research about this. It's going to be great. I know what it is to kidnap a person slash acting classes. <laughs> and then at the end, I had to research, well, what would their punishments be if they got caught? And so, like, at the end, there was, like, a spoiler alert. They get caught. And then it's, like, this person goes to jail for however long, blah, blah, blah. And then an interesting side note. Let me just tell you a story about this real quick. Yeah. So we played a couple film festivals, mostly uh, overseas during the pandemic. And then we played one here in Atlanta. It was an independent film night at Roll Call, but it was a film festival sponsored by somebody else, Actors Army or something like that. And we got selected. And so I go to the thing. I print off a bunch of posters because they asked me to. Cool. You got in regards to Amy Adams. So it's Amy Adams with her face blacked out and all sorts of shit. It's kind of fun. (laughs) It's a dumb black and white Dogma 95 comedy. (laughs) The movie right before us was about the Holocaust. (laughs) The budget was $750,000. Oh, my God. The movie right after us was about the homeless epidemic. Their budget was $28,000. My movie was in between. The budget was $500. 
and all, there was like 17 movies and they're all about like really big issues and and I'm like I kidnapped an actress <laughs> mine and so yeah I'm oh, sorry man. but that's I just thought you would enjoy how fucking weird that was that's well, the film festival life. well what was the reaction in the theater like to where were I, they <laughs> I think were they that, maybe they were relieved at it, like oh we just went through the Holocaust and now we can laugh for a minute. Well, I think and any, now we can learn about the homeless. I don't think anyone's ever said no, we went to the Holocaust now we can laugh a minute. Tucker Carlson, what the fuck is this? This is the fifth time I've had to make that joke because of your Republican views. Um, I think it was such a the pro, one of the big problems was the Holocaust movie ends and it converts to black and white at the end. And my movie's oh, black and white God. in the beginning, That's so even they're better. like, is this a continuation? That's amazing. Of this? Plus, this is part two. Yeah. Plus, the very first thing you see is a woman tied to a chair with a bag over her head. And they're like, oh, this is just another torture of the Nazis. And then it's like, and one of my main characters is a blonde white lady. And, but the other one's like a Brazilian blonde guy. But still, you know, ugh, whatever. So I think there was a, a period of getting used to it. And then there was a couple of uncomfortable laughs. And then by the end, they were good. They were like, yeah, kidnap the bitch. But then before that... There was there was some difficulty, but it was, it was fun to you know see with an audience. And has Amy Adams seen this? <laughs> yes, she has. She has. She, has. she really wow. has. Okay. Wow. Um, so we sent. You got the cease and desist. I guess. Yes. Yeah, instantly. Yeah. So <laughs> she, she even pointed out the joke she didn't like. I am not making Man of Steel eight, Keith. Anyway, um, but no, we sent it to her team, um, and. Uh, didn't hear anything because I, I just wanted to clear everything with her because I do use a picture that's altered. I paid to use the picture, but I just use a picture of her that's altered. So I wanted to clear it with her team. So I reached out to her PR, her manager, all that stuff. Didn't hear anything for a year and a half. Finally, I got a response that goes, Miss Adams says it's funny. That's all it said. And I don't know if they took it to Amy Adams or like Don Adams' widow or something. Yeah. I, I don't know. But <laughs> a, a Miss Adams has seen yeah. the film. So that's all That's all I got. Wow. Boom. Okay. That's cool, man. Yeah. So uh, she's sounds, the only one. That got, lady and the people at the Holocaust exhibit. Those are the only people that I've seen. <laughs> <laughs> and then what makes it even worse about the Holocaust? I'm just thinking about this. The other lead actor the, in my movie, Frances Chang, plays Amy Adams. Oh, wow. um, amazing director herself, uh, mm-hmm. Asian actress here in yeah. Atlanta. Hey, uh, Haley Nicole Leary, Anderson DeSouza, oh, wow. both actors, and then Rob Prago is mm-hmm. the other lead in it. And he's a douchebag, but he's <laughs> a man of Jewish descent, and he makes a bunch of jokes about that in the middle of the thing. I should have opened up a deli like my uncle Dom and all this stuff. Fuck, how am I not canceled? Oh God. <laughs> well, I guess it's because. I hang out with Chuck. He says worse things. Yeah, what yeah. was that thing it's you like said a, about women's rights it's like, a, it's like a buffer. You know, <laughs> yeah, exactly. it's just, yeah, yeah. Soften the blow a little bit. Uh, speaking of Francis, I, I got to see Torn Together. Um, I haven't seen it. We're, we're both in it, right? Yeah, we're, <laughs> we're both. Saying racist our, things. Our voices are very prominently in it saying very racist things. <laughs> I heard myself say it in the in the thing. And actually, Chuck we didn't were, even know he was being recorded. It's <laughs> <laughs> just what he naturally sounds like. We were doing another podcast, and Francis was like, hey, say this racist shit. And I was like, oh, psh, all right. I was already going to say <laughs> that. I tell you what. Y'all want some good barbecue? You got to sit on the trunks of your car. <laughs> Yeah, we our voices are very. I was just like, oh, yeah, when I heard heard me. Uh, but uh, yeah, finally got to see the film. And, That's awesome. And it, you know, it turned out great. Uh, went down to the Atlanta Shorts Fest. Nice. Uh, oh, down at Roll Call, you mentioned yeah. Roll Call. They had a little Shorts Fest thing down there, and That's awesome. Uh, they moved. 
Like uh, six times. They move almost as much as you. I yeah. feel like <laughs> I feel like they're trying to move to where you can't find the place because they were already hard to find and they're still at... Um, at at Ponce, but they're yeah. like hidden behind there, us. It's yeah. literally... It's not a joke. They're literally hidden. They, they literally have a, a section of their website how to find the theater. Yeah. Like it's, a, it's, it's like a treasure... Uh, map right. it is. To, to find it. Yeah. It's a little ridiculous. Yeah, I was here <laughs> but, the other day. Uh, you got to go through some scaffolding. And- uh, yes. <laughs> yeah. No joke. Yeah. 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 It's it's literally an adventure. It's yeah. like the Goonies. It's yeah. like the Goonies too. But it's still Ponce City Market, so it's more expensive than the Goonies. It's very. Oh my god, that place is so ridiculous. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, it was a great film. Great to see all of them. Uh, great to go to uh, a, a little uh, film festival. There was That's some awesome. other. There was some other Atlanta films there, and Chuck was, hated uh, every one of them. I did. I did. I booed. Con- Good. Just, con- <laughs> just kind of constantly. Just, Fuck this! It's not Francis. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. And they played last, so the whole time I'm like, oh my god, where where is my where am I? I want to hear my voice. <laughs> let's like, come on. Let's go. And then so wait, played, every and actor like, yes. reads the script. Bullshit. Bullshit. My line. Bullshit. Bullshit. <laughs> my line. <laughs> I think uh, I trust Francis, so I, I would love to see it because I know Francis does good work, but I generally mm-hmm. feel if something casts me, it's really gone downhill. Like, you know what I mean? Like, so I can't, ugh, just like quality. Just like Renfield that we got, yeah, that Maggie and I went to go go see at the, uh, what's the, the Marriott, the Mugs, not, Mugs of Movies is down in States, bro. That's why I keep calling everything. Oh, right. What's the one where you get to eat, like, real food and they come wait It's a restaurant you? is what that is. <laughs> For Christ's <laughs> sakes. The one, there's one in Marietta, Mugs, movie, movie, fun, movie fun Tavern? time. Tavern movie, movie tavern movie the tavern movie. time. I can't remember the name of it. Chuck has had a stroke. Yeah. <laughs> He's just but they uh, you go you watch a movie. They have like actual food. There's waiters and yeah. stuff. They walk in front of you while you're watching the movie. You're like, what the yeah. fuck? Yeah. It's a, it's a lot of fun. Uh, awesome. But we went to go uh, see Renfield, and then we clapped the entire time you're on. Oh well, thank you. It's a brief screen. clapping period, but yeah, I, yeah, but. yeah. But you know, it's a lot of fun. And then we well, thanks, man. we booed the rest of the movie because you weren't there. <laughs> you fuck you, yeah. fuck you guys. <laughs> <laughs> they mentioned me like twice more, so I just temporary boo. <laughs> yeah, I, I I've seen the movie once. Uh, that's directed by Chris McKay. Available now on DVD and Blu-ray. Check it out. Redfield, starring Nicolas Cage. Anyway, um, way bloodier than I thought it was going to be. It was super. Very, bloody. I was very excited to. Uh, like I'm very happy about that. that I was, that was there, and I didn't realize it was going to be that bloody. <laughs> um, if you're unfamiliar, it's the story of Dracula's uh, assistant um, who decides he's in a, an abusive relationship. I've seen it once, and the only reason I saw it was because I was asked to go do an introduction of the film. Um, at That's a, right. At a That's theater, right. right? And so me and Josh Michael. Marriott, uh, uh, studio movie, studio movie grilled. I had to look it up. It was driving crazy. Gotcha. Studio, studio movie, movie grilled. Grill. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Those are three It's a words. lot of fun. It's a lot of fun. You get to eat real food. Oh, yeah. <laughs> um, but so <sighs> me, uh, Jenna Canal, and Josh Michael. Oh, were, right. Nice. Yeah. yeah. Oh, God. Of course Jenna was in it. Jesus. Yeah. yeah I, was, I cheered during her parts, too. Sorry, Jenna. <laughs> yeah, sure you <laughs> totally did. Totally did. Sure you did. But we were invited she to. Lot, she had a lot of lines, too. She had a lot. She was great. She was, she was she, great. She's hilarious. Yeah, yeah. Um, but we were invited to go do an introduction for the film for like a test screening before it came out and everything. And I was like, yeah, that sounds fucking awesome. And they're like, cool, it's going to be for the Atlanta Vampire Society. And I was like, the what? <laughs> what did you say? <laughs> this is the coolest thing I've ever heard in my life. Yeah, dude. So, so I got to meet a bunch of vampires. So thanks for doing this at night. This is great for me. <laughs> like, okay, but – like real vampires, like they like he, some of those. Chuck, that is so rude. You don't <laughs> ask people if they're like real vampires. But I mean, Chuck. there's people that that cosplay as vampires, and but then there's people, you know, that 
like to think they are really are vampires. Chuck, they can be whatever they want to. Don't I know, to but put I'm them just, in a casket I'm, coffin box. I, I guess that's true, and they're totally t- fine to come check it out. I'm just trying to. Jeremy make... has come on here to talk about representation, <laughs> and you are trying to malign an entire class of vampires. No, no, no. I'm just trying to clarify which which group or it is. Jungsa or whatever they want to be. <laughs> I'm just saying, were you fearing for your life when you were there? Did you have to give up some blood? To... Well, I was worried about my performance. I was like, and that made oh. me fear for my life. Like, are they going to believe this character? Like that sort of idea. <laughs> do you do you still have that that kind of fear, even though you've been acting for uh, approximately fifty seven years? Fifty exactly. Um, it's weird. You, that I'm you still yeah. you still you still have that fear of like, am I good? Every time. Every time I do anything, like, I feel like I'm going to shit myself when I get to set, like, every single time. And sometimes because I have to poop. But I think for the most part, it's in the middle of the scene, I never have those doubts. But I think there's this imposter mm. syndrome that always happens with any artistic endeavor. And and I feel for me, it's, is this ever going to, it's not necessarily my doing it bad. It's, I hate myself. I hate myself. Why do I look so fat in this shirt? Is anyone going to get this is it's going to resonate with anyone right like that's the, yeah. the, the fear and especially like sometimes if it's writing or if it's directing and you're touching on a world that's different than yours uh, i just wrote this i'm going to give you the pitch okay okay great mm-hmm. i'm going to ruin my ip right here <laughs> great uh, i wrote this film an african-american horror story that that's not the name of it oh. the terrible name of it um but we're not gonna tell you the name just so i could reserve that but the hook of the movie is the initial part is that a, a Af- young African American woman goes through a traumatic experience, and you realize I shouldn't be saying this on the air that Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky. Lucky in line at the deli, I guess. Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. African-American people, after experiencing a traumatic experience, often unwa- awake something in them that allows them to see ghosts. And it's only ghosts of other African-Americans, right? And it becomes a metaphor Mm -hmm. for the racism and the injustices that have followed an entire group of people, Mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. And it's a world secret that nobody talks about. It's just something that happens within the community. And you think the movie's about that, and then halfway through, something else happens that changes your entire understanding. Kind of. Um, So uh, it's a weird movie, but it's dark, and it's twisted, and it's trying to tackle injustices. It's trying to tackle... The idea of racism either being a demonization or a fetishization, right? Either way is both unfair to a person. Making them a monolith or making them represent their entire culture, whatever. Fetishizing women just because of their skin color, not looking deeper. It's tackling a lot of things. Also, the you know abusive behavior towards women. A lot of stuff compact in this. But again... I'm used as a white balance when I'm on set because uh, I'm so fucking pale. <laughs> so something like that, I'm thinking to myself, I've really tried my hardest to write this. I've put everything I had into it. I've thought out all of these things. But as I'm doing the first table reading, it's like, God, this could go horribly wrong. You know what I mean? Like, oh, yeah. Am I not going to? Oh, yeah. Did I fuck up culturally or did I fuck up syntax? Is the wor- Are the words wrong? Did the characters not going to resonate? And that experience happens with every single thing. It's, I hope they don't see me as, you know, 
even with another endeavor, if I'm acting as a chef, I don't want a chef to think I'm mocking them. Mm, right. You know what I mean? Mm. I, I want it to feel real and authentic no matter what it is, no matter what artistic endeavor. If I'm going to be a country musician, I want you to believe I'm a country musician. You know what I'm saying? So that's sort of, I just talk too much. I'm sorry. No, I had a lot okay. of heroin you before do. I got here. Yeah, that's <laughs> right. Jeremy, yeah, speak on that. Do uh, you have that imposter syndrome? Or are you, are you like me and everything you write? You're just like, perfect. Dude, it's very much uh, I, I have the imposter syndrome. And, you know, that was kind of one of the things I really had to combat uh, preparing for Walkman was like, um, one of the questions that Film Impact Georgia asks you is like, why, like, why do you mm. need to tell this story right now? And you know, it's there comes moments where it's like, I truly believe that like you make movies that you need to exist in the world, and um, I needed Walkman. You know, it, mm-hmm. uh, I needed to see Walkman. I needed to make it and no one else, I knew no one else was going to do it the way that I needed it to exist to, to satiate me. And so Walkman has been one of the very first projects where I was able to really have a more clear conversation with myself about the imposter syndrome and, mm-hmm. um, getting that inner judge just to shut the hell up for just a second so I can so I can bang the pages out, you know what I'm saying? And it's like you come across these some some of these stories that uh you know, you're 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 going to attack them in a way that like is undescribable, you know, yeah. like and um and so, you know, because the thing is, like I like it, it ties back into kind of how I started my career in filmmaking. I found filmmaking as a twenty-seven-year-old, and you know, growing up, the 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 children, the child of refugees, it was always like we you gotta you gotta graduate. We just gotta get you to that point, and like, um, which I get, but you know, you, you now look at my four-year-old niece and. Um, you are starting to see a lot more opportunities afforded to the next generation of people. My mom told me the other uh, last year, she was like, yeah, we, we signed your, she was three at the time. She was like, we signed Emory up for gymnastics. And I was like, that's fucking awesome. Me and my brothers, um, we couldn't even play soccer or in an organized league until much later in life when logistically and financially it was possible to do and now you have a three-year-old little girl like going to gymnastics class because we can do it and we have the ability to do it and many loving people to pick her up and pay for it and all of these things and it's like what if i had been given a camera in middle school you know what i'm saying and it's like yeah right yeah you know yeah yeah and so it's like like today for example there's this really amazing group in town called Reimagine ATL. Mm-hmm. I, don't, I don't know if y'all are familiar with them. Oh, with, yeah. With Liz. Um, Liz invited me this morning to go talk, oh, nice. with, talk with her cohort, right? And um, there's a lot of great kids in that group, a lot of young filmmakers of color. And because, uh, you know, I mean, like, you, you fucking look at me, dude. It's like 
I like people like me like don't win screenwriting competitions and like people like me like don't really get to sit in the director's chair you know what I'm saying and so it's like um if I feel like this I know other kids feel like this too and um I have been very blessed uh through winning film impact Georgia this mug has been everywhere you know what I'm saying like <laughs> 11 alive the Athens that's Banner right Herald. yeah that's right I'm. I have been afforded these really amazing opportunities to to have cameras and microphones put in front of me to talk, and no one gave a shit about this before we won the grant, right? But now it's like Asian American month. Every year, it's like I get blown up for interviews <laughs> and all these things, and you start looking at it like um, I needed someone like me when I was starting yeah. my career as a filmmaker. And so it's like, I know that I'm a talented filmmaker and I need to work harder to kind of silence that imposter, that inner judge when I needed to shut the fuck up for just a moment because like there's a lot more important stuff going on and like, I need young filmmakers of color to see me rocking my shit, making good movies and doing it in a, you know, in an honorable way, you know, in a kind fashion. And like, um, yeah, it, when you start looking at it from that vantage point, um, it's a little bit easier to shut the imposter syndrome down, uh, for longer periods of time whenever you can. And yeah. Do you feel, let me ask you a question. Then. Yeah. So you're on set. When you're about to call off that shot, do you feel that power take over or are you still nervous about making your day? How, how does that feel? What is it on the day of? Where are you at? Where's your headspace? I'm fearless. Good. Absolutely. I've cut my teeth deeply in this game as a first AD. Yeah. Oh, fuck yeah. Um, I did that job for a very long time and I never truly expressed to people how much I genuinely started to dislike the job. It's a shitty job. It's a shitty job. And like, it's still, like, it's still tough to, I started having a lot of my friendships and relationships in town end. Yeah. Um, mm -hmm. You know, I'm just like, because, you know, because it's like, I'll be honest with y'all, <clears throat> after a few years of AD, and you know, I've worked from directors from film students to 60, 70-year-old directors and everything in between. And um, it's like, what the fuck kind of decision-making are you doing? Or like, you know, it's like, yeah. I could save the fucking day right now, you know? <laughs> and it's like, you. I didn't realize how resentful I had become and how much I really fucking hated ADing and I didn't... Re but the thing was, is like, what else can I do? I'm like, I mean, I'm gripping a little bit, sure, but it's like, um, I didn't have anything to write or direct or what have you. And so... What I did was I was very conscientious about, like, learning from other productions' mistakes, the ones that hired me, yeah. to learn from their mistakes and to take notice of their decision-making. 
and all of that stuff so that if I was ever afforded the opportunity to sit in the director's chair, it's like I, I know exactly what the fuck I want and need Absolutely. to do. And so after 18 months of pre-pro, you know, of uh, <laughs> God damn. Yeah. Short? You had 18 months? Yeah. Because we we won the grant in spring of 21 and the big scary part of pandemic. And so, you know, you're at the mercy of your team's pandemic schedule and work schedule and all these things. And we took things at a very comfortable and sometimes slower than I'd like rate. Two babies could have been born. Yes. (laughs) Yes. Yes. So. Pre was 18 months and post is about to hit six. And I'm fine with the post. Yeah. Some of those take 10 years. <laughs> yeah. But the, the 18 months, yeah. that's the shit. That was wild. And so, you know, it's it's been a hell of a learning experience. And um, But no. And also the, the thing here, too, is my DP was my mentor. That's awesome. Uh, so, like, my DP – He's like a 62-year-old white guy, right? <laughs> and he's been an anti-gravity rig and movie specialist since, uh, like, the early 90s. That's fucking he's, awesome. He's the real fucking deal, you know? He owns his own anti-gravity rig, you know? If that, that says anything, are you know, Exactly, exactly. <laughs> yeah. And so the thing is, too, he is the dad of my uh, producer and best friend, Sophia. The thing is, she graduated film school and then told everybody that her dad was a, a DP. Oh. And that that was cool. Yeah. And uh, so the thing is, Sophia, my producer, she PA'd on my senior film. Okay. <clears throat> and during the safety meeting that day uh, at my senior film, I was like, any single one of you? You call me, and I will fucking be there. And she's the only one who did it. And it was four years later. We hadn't talked in years. And she had kept up with me, and she was like, I know you're very busy. But I figured I'd ask because you said I could. And so I'd love to invite you to first AD my movie, and we can work on your schedule because I was freelancing at the time. Yeah. And I was like, yeah, let's fucking do it. Of course. I told you I would. Let's do it. And. Nice. Um, awesome. <laughs> and what was even cooler is like she didn't even hire her dad to DP it. You I know, awesome. like she hired a filmmaker that she grew up with that was at her level that needed to grow with her. And like all these decisions, I'm just like, this is fucking awesome. It's great. You know what I'm saying? Great decisions. Her dad comes on as our data wrangler. So he can still kind of, because he wants to be involved. Yeah, you know? it's his daughter. And so. it's his daughter. And he wants to kind of be there as a presence. And he was, so he was doing all of our data wrangling. And he watched me work. And when we wrapped, he was just like, dude, I really like the way you AD. And I'm just like, yo, if you ever need one, I'm down. And just like that, a 30-year-old Asian kid and a 60-year-old white guy become friends. Absolutely. And we start this really beautiful mentorship relationship. The only person who fucked with me as I was trying to start my filmmaking career is this white guy, you know? And so I start becoming very good friends with his daughter. I start growing a mentorship relationship with him. His name's Lael. And um, after we won the grant and we were legitimately starting pre-pro, Lael came to me and he was like, hey, man, um, I totally get – and this has been a question that has – it's something that's been called out to me once or twice before too that I love talking about. Why'd you, why, you, why is your producer white? Why is your DP white? 
Right, valid questions. But yeah. at the same time, it's like these people fucked with me before I won this grant. <laughs> mm-hmm. These people fucked with me when I was making free commercials for local restaurants just so I could learn how to fucking direct. Right. These people have been fucking with me and believed in me for so fucking long. Amen. And like you're just going to point out their skin color? Like, no, dude. These people have given me their time and their expertise and everything to make this fucking movie. And so Lael comes to me and he's like, I totally understand if you want to hire an Asian DP. But pretty much this gentleman is reaching the end of his career. His daughter is starting hers. And he loves me and he loves my story. And he was like, but I would love to throw my name in the hat and I'll bring both of my reds, all of my lenses. I'll bring you everything. And we'll rock this thing for free, dude. And can, can, is he accepting more people to get <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. It's a pretty busy guy, but I'll see. Yeah. But, um, you know, there are so many talented people who took a small fraction of their well-deserved day rate mm. or lent us or gave us gear insurance policies mm. locations <laughs> mm-hmm. food uh you cannot deny that it was a community effort mm-hmm. one that goes beyond the asian american it was an atlanta independent film effort and um so it's like if i'm going to continue getting these opportunities to chat with folks and like to hang out with y'all it's it's really special for me to y'all I thought I was going to quit filmmaking as like a 40-year-old first AD and I like I I genuinely saw my life going that route. Yeah. Um to me I'm playing with the the house's money at this point. Like I <laughs> you you're on a new life. Yeah, exactly. Hardly. Like, exactly. For the people out there listening to the, the listeners out there in wonderful world who haven't been turned off by Chuck's terrible misogyny, <laughs> um, the AD lifestyle, it's the fucking worst. It is. You are there. I AD'd one movie for an ungrateful piece of shit director yeah. whose <laughs> name is just, um, <laughs> who didn't know what the fuck he was doing. Yeah. And, and so, and so I feel that once you've crossed behind the camera, it's the hardest thing in the world is to turn that lens off for yeah. the rest of your life because every uh, working with any other filmmaker, you're going to be like, why are you doing that? Don't yeah. do that. Don't, don't do that. Yeah. Don't treat people like that and all that sort of stuff. Yeah. And do, just working on that set, I'm like, I'm never doing this again because it's so much management, so much paperwork, so much, especially yeah. on the indie level. Jesus yeah. Christ. Yes. So I'm glad you're still alive. Thank you, man. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. Let me, let me touch on this. Let me ask you this. Sure. Let's talk about – let's make this um, chat very racial. Yeah. How how do you feel? I mean, you've expressed your your specific feelings about your specific DP and your and your producer. Yeah. What place do you feel it has for people of different races to come together in stories like these? Do you feel that an Asian story has to be told by an Asian perspective or do you feel like in same thing with the African American story? Like where do you fall on that? What do you think the state of that should be? That is a great question, and it, it can <laughs> it it quickly can get ugly, ugly and muddy because humans are part of that conversation, right? Yeah. And so, um, 
for us, for example, specifically with Walkman, I, uh, there are, even though we have uh, Asian folks in very high-ranking positions and decision-making positions, we also have a lot of white folks. Because, uh, I mean, that's just how, let's get fucking, that's how the business works. There's just, I mean. There's a lot of white There's people. a lot of white people. I, and again, I grew up as a filmmaker with nothing but white folks. One of the reasons. There's a lot of them in this room. There are. There are. <laughs> We're like cockroaches. Yeah. They're just kind of everywhere. So, like, the safety <laughs> meeting, right? Like, every day you have your safety meeting that's led by one AD. And, you know, you're giving these safety meetings, and there's sometimes there's 30 eyeballs on you, sometimes there's 100. And a lot of eyeballs. A lot of eyeballs. And a no lot of people time, either. <laughs> folks, <laughs> just kind of floating around. A lot of times it's mostly <laughs> white folks. I mean, the number of times where I was the only person of color on a film set, like, I stopped counting, you know? Yeah. Mm. And so it was like every time I notice this happening, I, I cannot ignore I need to, like, hole punch this or some sh- I just need to keep tracking how, like, what this is like. And so, like, the white producers and folks on my team, what has been really amazing is that at any given time, like, I have to fucking promote them and talk about them because they're so goddamn silent about it is for it's the project for for a lot of my friends and colleagues on this movie the white folks and it has been really awesome even though I don't really like the limelight and I'm like not that comfortable in it it's like if this movie's fucking being talked about it's Jeremy yeah and I've never been able to be a true creative. I've often had to AD my own things as I'm directing, you know, when that's no fucking fun at all. And so for the first time, I was able to be a creative and not have to worry about all of that other stuff. And any time there was a decision made, it came through me. And But I didn't structure this. Like, I didn't ask for this. Like the team I assembled made this they made environment for me, made me the captain, yeah. you know. Um, but I still rely on them heavily to make sure the ship is still running and that we're going in the right direction and what have you. Um, so there's this other short film. I, I don't know if it's still on the circuit, but it was an Asian movie. And I'm not going to talk too much shit Let's about it. Let's bash it. it. Fuck I'm these guys. I'm not going to talk too much shit about it, but it was a. Uh, uh, white director and a white co-writer, you know? And, I mean, I know all these people personally. And it's, it's like this director who has many decades of experience in the industry, it's like, and the movie directly deals about uh, anti-Asian violence and hate. It deals with an Asian woman getting killed yeah. uh, during the pandemic era. So it's like very fresh. Yeah. It's a white director. And from what I understand, the movie is like, I'm, I probably should not be saying all this, but I'm going to. It's not uh, like there's a microphone. Exactly. <laughs> Pretty much like the story is then like the boy going on this vigilante, like fucking John Wick kind of thing of like killing his mother's murder kind of thing. And it's like, is this what we need? Is this what we need? Is this what we need? Because like. Every decision along the way, I'm fucking questioning. First off, it's like, 
this white director with many decades of indie filmmaking um, experience, you couldn't find a young Asian filmmaker to give them their shot. That's one thing I question. The other thing is using anti-Asian violence and hate as a, a storytelling vehicle, vehicle to kind of... And so it's like... And I started... I started butting heads with the production, right? Uh, and the, uh, f- something that was fired back at us was like, look at all the white people on Walkman. And it's like... Who's in front of the mics? Yeah. Who is talking to youth, y'all right now? Who's, whose vision was it? Exactly. Whose dream was it? Exactly, you know I mean? dude. And so it's like, I'm not even like it. I'm not even going to entertain having to explain this to you right now. When you just told me everything about your 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 African American story and all that, dude, I. F- I just met you. So anyone who's listening, I just met yeah. Keith. Like We're both naked already. We're Go naked, ahead. and we met less than two hours ago. <laughs> There's obviously respect and, and effort and love. You can smell exploitation from a mile away. And, you know, that's a difficult question to answer in a black and white fashion because in each situation there's going to be a unique blend yeah. of humans um, with different goals and intentions. And I believe that as long as the Kim's convenience is a good example, okay? It's a great example. It started off really hot. Mind you, I'll admit – I refuse. I've seen one episode, okay, <laughs> and I'm like, okay, I'm You're gonna I'm, get so much Asian hate I'm mail. Cool, right I'm cool. I'm cool with this, but it's like because you know, you, there it that show brings up a lot of great conversations. Absolutely. Uh, um, uh, oh my fucking god! What's Shang Chi's name? Simu Liu. Simu Liu. He's not Korean. No. Right. Mm-hmm. Right. And so, and so, but which is cool. I have no problem with that. But that's like one thing that's there that exists that that can be talked about and then when the show kind of surprisingly ended turns out the whole writing room is white guys every single one every single writer is a white man and like there's not been a genuine korean influence creatively in several seasons you know and so you ask yourself like how like how did it get to there, whereas in the beginning there was some genuine yeah. uh, representation created creatively and what have you, and so for the first time I am being invited to be parts of these conversations, and also to to be a decision maker in a type of project that is directly involved in this conversation, you know, awesome. and so it's kind of like. I, I just got to take it one step at a time and I got to do it from my, like how I know how to do it. And essentially now is like for the first time in my life, I'm a shot caller. I'm a dirt. I'm a decision maker. I'm producing. Right. Yeah. And it's like, I get to pick who to hire, like me personally. And I want to make sure that I am doing that in a very 
intentional but honorable and and educated way you know um i think of those safety meetings when i have a blank crew spreadsheet right um in indie filmmaking i know all of you have gone through this when you have a colleague or a friend that you know is hella fucking talented that like has not really found their spot or their role yet and like when you're making something and you give this person a decision making role or like a role that they've never really had the opportunity to do before and they fucking kill that shit you know it's so awesome to see that and so growing up alongside these other atlanta filmmakers like with kurt for me personally like it's very very special very, very, very special. It's so rewarding, too. Like, I, I love the way you put that, of, of giving someone... A, I saw this awesome interview with Danny Trejo, um, who is just the patron saint of cool. Yes. And uh, it was like, for funny or die, or something like that. And they're playing this game where Danny Trejo, at the time of recording, had 350 different IMDb credits. And they're like, you can't fucking remember all of those. Yeah. So what we're going to do is we're going to give you a bunch of names, and you tell us which one's fake. Yeah. And they show clips of other actors failing it, right? Yeah. And then Danny Trejo's getting every single one. He's like, you put two fakes in there, you yeah. put three fakes in there. I know every, I know all these. And they're like, how the fuck do, are you doing this? And Danny Trejo says, I remember every opportunity I was ever given. And, like, that just, it was, god damn. Yeah. That's, <laughs> wow. You know what I mean? Wow. I, yeah. I, I, but I, and I love that that gratitude for it. Yeah. But it's also, you never know what an opportunity is going to do for a person. Yeah. You never know if a person sees something within themselves until you show, until it, you know, you help bring it out. Yeah. And whether it's on a crew, whether it's on, you know, an actor, a director pulling something out of an actor or something like that. I, I think that's such a rewarding experience Yeah, to be there at the birth of something new. You yeah. know what I mean? Yeah. Um, I, yeah, I love it. I love it. I think it's great, and I love I love just your vibe, man. It's so fucking good. Like Thanks, we, should, dude. we should smoke up sometimes. Absolutely, <laughs> <laughs> absolutely. Smoke I up. Or maybe take some maybe take some laxatives. Uh, or, yeah, take some laxatives. Some some other things that, I also like that's before the we started recording. So <laughs> yeah, nobody knows. No, no, no explanation. <laughs> yeah, we're like, they're just yeah. gonna shit themselves. <laughs> what the that's the new thing this? everybody's into. If you haven't heard, <laughs> yeah, just yeah. everybody out there take some laxatives. That's the new thing everybody's into. Um, I feel like part of what you're talking about, too, we're talking about research and everything. You talk about Keith's uh, authenticity uh, as yeah. he approaches different things. It's like, do I want to is it, uh, do I want to tell an authentic tale or, like you said, just use this as like, oh, these people are getting murdered. Let's put this into uh, this context and make a fun action movie about these real people getting murdered yeah. uh, versus a story of like, oh, this is really interesting to me and I want to tell this tale that hasn't been told, yeah. whatever. I'm not sure anybody else is doing it. Let me... Let me do that. And I feel like that, that that other production maybe could have stepped back and been like, maybe I should talk to some people first and maybe, you know, see what other people think about this idea. And, and maybe maybe this is the wrong way to go versus like, oh, let's just jump in and, and do it. Well, I um, think it's the Zack Snyder problem is what I call it because it's – you can paint a really pretty picture but c- cannot tell you why he did it. Like, oh, right, right. So there's no substance to it. So are you just hitting on things because you think – you look at the Disney movies that are released and the knockoffs. The Disney movies, generally, the animated features, like Pocahontas, whether we want to yeah. talk about the racial implications there or not, or the bastardization of history, still has a lot of things it's trying to say mm-hmm. from a deeper perspective. It's trying to have a dialogue and a conversation and inundate our children with the fact they should be good fucking people to the planet Earth and not 
commit genocide. AKA woke. Yeah. Whereas the knockoff of that year, probably called Princess Feathers, yeah. was, was was bullshit. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like yeah. Frozen tries to tell you, you don't need a man to define yourself. Yeah. And sisterly bond is something. And we all make mistakes. And those things we perceive as flaws can be our greatest abilities. But Elsa, the ice queen from Finland, or whatever the name of the other cartoon that's found at Dollar General, is just reindeer sing. You know what I mean? And so are you trying to... Tell a story that has thematic structure or or is fun for somebody, or are you just trying to cash in on what you think the hot item is? Mm-hmm. Are are Asian people your Jinko jeans? Because that's unfortunate <laughs> if that's what you're making. You know what I'm saying? Like yeah. so this is how I feel. Okay. We're not we're not a podcast that makes fun of Jinko jeans as someone <laughs> not in this house. As someone who wore Jinko jeans in the nineties. Oh, I'm wearing them now. Like, just, no. I, My leg just lost a lot of weight. So it's, it's just your legs, yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, those things were comfy, but uh, as no, soon as, they, you lying son of a bitch. As soon as it rained, you like, were done. Yeah. Your your half of your body was covered because they soaked up everything and just went up to your armpits. The thing was, I hated about jinkos, like I I don't have an ass. That's a problem. Uh, it runs in my family. Uh, lack of acipus, right? <laughs> and so belts don't really, they don't work that great. My, my, my pants are always falling down. I, I once mooned Wesley Snipes. We'll talk about that later. Um, but I would, my pants would be falling down. I would track through puddles of mud at Cherokee High School where you can have barbecue out there on your, port, your pickup truck. And the, the pants would like, crossed over and so I would just have this like long streak of hardness like there was a dick in my jeans and like it was I hated it I hated it so much and then plus I was a goth kid so not only that but now my makeup was running <laughs> this is fucking terrible man was- this is the plight of being a white kid <laughs> This is your Walkman. Yeah, this is Chico <laughs> Jeans, dude. Yeah. This is finally. This is, that was Chuck's. Head, and when you say puddles of mud, you mean the band Puddle of yeah, Mud. Yeah, they were just yeah, laying outside. Just, yeah. I don't understand. <laughs> I would sing one of their songs, but who knows? <laughs> <laughs> oh man. Well, I, I. I think we could go forever, but we've been here an extremely long time. And no, you, you said we're going forever. And you, <laughs> and you guys have other things to do besides sit in this. Uh, uh, I've, I've noticed, as, as this is the first recording in this with multiple people, it's getting very warm here. Well, I, I uh, think... So I, just, I'm seeing the flaws in this room and that I need to fix is that I need to crank the air up in here because uh, it's getting a little warm. It also might be that it's it's lined with... Scarves, scarves to keep you warm. Yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. Even from a distance, who knew that's how they operated? Yeah, <laughs> oh yeah, and you know all the all the foam is just radiating heat and then absorbing trying to make it all sound fancy with foam. It's just scarves, ladies and gentlemen. Yeah, it is a house 100%. made of scarves. <laughs> the big bad wolf would love this place. This is just <laughs> yeah, but uh, I can't thank you guys enough for coming over to uh, my brand new house. Um, we'll be moving next week, so um, you'll experience a new house that's, um, that's the podcast a new house this time <laughs> that's why it's called atlanta film chat because we're going through all the houses in atlanta yeah, yeah. <laughs> except all on the west side it's yeah. all marietta mableton smyrna we mm-hmm. all just we just kind of keep moving in like a little in like a little circle but every time it's like a minute further away from me like you, you were a little bit closer and then i was like oh cool there was there's chuck's old house okay we're going down here. <laughs> There's a sign on it that says, bye, Keith. Like, don't come here. Oh, yeah, that's kind of weird. Uh, but tell everybody where to find information about yourself and your, you know, all your websites and all that kind of yeah. stuff. 
Thanks for having us, Chuck. It was I had a lot of fun, man. Thank you. That's uh, good. That's good. That's yeah. my number one aim is yeah, for people dude. to have fun for real. Yeah. Um, but yeah, uh, for all of our Walkman stuff, uh, we're we're easily findable on on all of our social media. W O K M A N. Um, Linktree dot com slash Walkman has all of our press and kind of everything we've acquired along the way. That's a really cool. Uh, and our brand new electronic press kit can be found there as well. Fuck yeah. Fancy. So wow. it's, yeah. Yeah. And so, um, but yeah, I'm currently um, working on the treatment for the feature version of Walkman as we speak. That's awesome. Um, yeah, that's awesome. For me to share about as we shake hands on our film festival circuit. Awesome, yeah. Yep. So, but yeah, uh, Jeremy Tao, T-H-A-O, and Walkman, W-K-M-A-N, on all social media. And um, yeah, we'll see you there. Nice. That's Keith, awesome. Keith, who are you and where do we find you? Uh, I'm Keith Brooks. You can find me in Chuck's house right now in mm-hmm. the scarf room. Uh, <laughs> you can find me uh, in any social media entitled Walkman. Just go there. <laughs> W-O-K-M-A-N. Like, I, I, honestly, I can't. I, I wish this was like, you don't do YouTube or anything because you got to show that fucking poster. Make that the, oh, the thumbnail because yeah. that poster is so fucking tight. Thanks, yeah. like, dude. dude. It is so good. It's Thank simple, you. but it just get, it tells you everything you need to know. It's it's great. Maybe I'll do that. I, I've, I've just been using our logo because I, I don't take pictures and stuff. And this is real lo-fi, but maybe I'll just, for this episode, I'll just put the... the well, not new house, new rules. You know what I mean? Right. It's a new Chuck. It's a, yeah. Chuck. Don't yeah. be the ground Chuck from before. Be a mm. lean Chuck that has some cool stuff going on. You know what I mean? Yeah, you say that, but I've gained weight recently. So uh, I think lean, you look fantastic. Well, I think you look muscular. You got some good tattoos. You got a little bit of rogue Reed Richards up top, and I like that. <laughs> um, I'm just liking everything yeah. I'm seeing. Yeah. Um, well, I was going for kind of Trent Krim, but you know, Rogue from X Men. Uh, okay. Yeah, Rogue from X Men's better. Yeah, yeah. that because you have that thick Southern accent. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's. <laughs> Um, I used to when I, I have videos of me as a little kid growing up in Tipton, Georgia, and Sylvester, Georgia, where Two. boy, neither you, one of those are real places. Those no, are names of cats. And yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Tipton, yeah, the famous cat Tifton. Yep. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> That's a good name for a cat, though. I do think yeah, so. it's not bad actually. I, I Tifton, used to... come here, puss, 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 Tifton. Do you really say puss, puss, puss when you're calling for cats? <laughs> You'd be the worst animal catcher. Like, just walking down the streets, puss, puss, puss. And then just... I think it's just puss, puss, puss. Anyway. Um, yeah, so I'm. Uh, hopefully this will get Chuck to give me a comedy special of my own. We can just film it in here. It's fine. They call yeah. it the Scarf Tour. Yep. Um, and uh, my name is Keith Brooks. You can find me on... Actually, don't. I don't like dealing with people. <laughs> you can go to uh, YouTube. Renfieldmovie.com. Renfieldmovie.com. That's where you find me. And then uh, Bean Dip Productions on YouTube. And fuck off for the rest of it. <laughs> and 200 podcasts that you're yeah. doing in, in all simultaneously. All on laxatives. <laughs> yeah, if you want a podcast about laxatives, uh, it's called, Where Do You Get a Load of This Shit? <laughs> no, no, not really. Um, I have a podcast called Once in a Full Moon where we're watching all of the full moon movies. Oh, that's 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 uh, such a great idea. Uh, a podcast called Not Quite Cool where me and a bunch of uh, a writer and an actor talk about nerdy stuff happening. Uh, Not Quite Darkness where we're going over the documentary Looking f- in Search of Darkness and we're watching all the movies, the greatest horror movies of the 80s. A show called Your Guest is As Good as Mine where I talk to actors and stuff like that that uh, I've worked with and just sort of deep dive their life. A show called The Super Show where I'm going over every fucking Super Mario thing 
ever made. Check out uh, a punk pop album I did called Hunger Pink. Half of the proceeds from that album go to the North American Mental Illness Foundation. Uh, then an album that I did that's a psycho trance album uh, called uh, It's Not an Aircraft, Volume 1. And half the uh, things go for the Junior Diabetes Research Fund. And I just released a movie last month called One Up Yours about Super Mario. Um, it is a 8-bit sort of designed green screen movie about two Koopa Troopas who get pissed off about having to build a castle. So it's a comedy, all that jazz. And then... Um God, I'm tired. So you basically, <laughs> you're not doing anything whatsoever. That doesn't sound whatsoever. like it. Cool. <laughs> okay. Well, thanks again, you guys. It's been great, and good luck with all wait, your wait, projects. Wait, wait, hold the fuck up. Where can people find you? Nah, nobody cares. Where matter. can people find you? <laughs> the people want to know. The podcast link, I, it's all just linktree.com slash ATL Film Chat. I love Linktree. Mm-hmm. It's just like, here's everything, boom. Yep. Uh, me personally, uh I don't know. You can come to my house. The address is... Give it, yeah. You know, yeah. Go ahead. Because I'll be moving, so it doesn't matter. Oh, touche, touche. Uh, no, just, I don't know. Fox Inc. on Twitter. Yeah. I don't. I love your... I don't really post anything on But you have Instagram, too. I have Instagram. It's Fox Inc. I, I, I guess I occasionally post on there. Yeah, because we don't want to give money to Twitter anymore. Fuck them. No, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, whatever. Just, you know, find me. Just come to my house. That's fine. An amazing. I'll, I'll put up a I'll put up a map thing on on a link tree. Like here's my house. Yeah, do it, do it. Yeah, I am, I am an amazing writer. That's true. And published I am, author, screenwriter. And I am doing it for money. So if you have money, then yeah. we can talk. Otherwise, don't talk to me. <laughs> I don't want to. Talk also, to a you. conga player apparently. Yes. Yeah. 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 He has well, more former. S- former. Uh, more scarves than a Doctor Who. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 Um, yeah. So, okay. Fan of the football. Fan of the football. F U T B O L. Football for some reason. Yes, Goonies the best movie ever made. All right, that's it. Can we make Final? a porn called Goonies? And it's just about just people's. <laughs> <laughs> On that note, goodbye, everybody. <laughs> <laughs>